Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents the final season of Listening Forest. Guests are invited to explore an interactive world of light, sound, and wonder in this immersive nighttime experience. Open through December 31st. Tickets at crystalbridges.org. This is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellams. It was 25 years ago today that Northwest Arkansas Regional Airport opened to the public. That first day included the arrival of Air Force One, carrying then-President Bill Clinton, who helped dedicate the facility. The original Ozark Folk Festival began 51 years before XNA, and we'll chat with this year's Friday Night Headliners, Trout Fishing in America. That's coming up later on today's show. This year's original Ozark Folk Festival begins a week from tomorrow night. First, in 2020, Johnny Morris, founder and CEO of Bass Pro Shops, purchased Dog Patch USA, an abandoned 1960s-era amusement park located in northern Newton County. Morris is creating a new private preserve on the parcel that he's named Marble Falls Nature Park. No progress reports have been issued or a grand opening date announced, but as Ozarks at large as Jacqueline Froelich reports, locals say construction of the new park is well underway. A large, gaudy metal sign just off Highway 7 north of Jasper that once lured tourists into the legendary Dogpatch USA amusement park still stands, but for several years now chained entry gates emblazoned with warning signs bar anyone from entering. Intermittent sounds of demolition and excavation have been heard, locals say, since Bass Pro Shop founder and CEO Johnny Morse bought the 400-acre amusement facility three years ago for more than $1.2 million to build a new tourist attraction called Marble Falls Nature Park. Here's Morris speaking to reporters in 2021, commenting about the historic parcel. First time I was exposed to it was like three or four years ago, and it was pretty dilapidated, run down the buildings. But what is there is beautiful nature and the limestone bluffs, a huge spring. We plan to build a restaurant there and take our time to build, develop nature trails. They had a big trout hatchery there, and so that's probably one of our first goals is to reactivate the hatchery. The once popular spring-fed trout hatchery and ponds are impounded by Marble Falls, which cascades into Mill Creek, a tributary of the Buffalo National River. The trout farm was originally built in the 1930s by Newton County native Albert Rainey Sr. This is Rainey's grandson, James DeVito. The family lore is that Grandpa bought about 800 acres after the railroad had been through Newton County and timbered out most of the large trees. But I heard that he had paid like a couple of dollars an acre uh, for the land that consisted of Bluff Springs and, and the falls itself at Marble Falls. As a teen, DeVito visited Dog Patch USA, which opened in 1968. The park consisted of everything from a train that transited it around the park there were uh, motorized boats that you could use in the lake. There were various rides, like uh, thrill rides that you would see at any carnival. There was also a tram that took you from the parking lot above the park down into the park itself. And later what developed at, at the upper part of the park was a winter scene with uh, a ski slope and a skating rink and a lodge. Visitors to the amusement park dwindled, drawn to places like Silver Dollar City and Branson and Eureka Springs in Carroll County. DeVito says he recently stopped by the nature park's perimeter to check out construction centered on the Bluff Springs area. 
what I did see was they they exposed a, a tunnel shaft right next to where the spring was that we had no idea existed. Uh, and there's some work that they've done above the springs, which if it's like uh, Dogwood Canyon, I have a feeling that you'll be seeing a large waterfall cascading above where the spring exits uh, from that side of the bluff. Dogwood Canyon Nature Park, located near Lampy, Missouri, was built by Morris on what used to be a dilapidated RV hunting campground opening in 1990. Patrons of the majestic 10,000-acre private preserve can hike, cycle, horseback ride, fish, and take wildlife tours for a price. Reserved one-day tickets cost $21 for adults, $15 for children. The cost is even higher at the gate. Morris also builds high-end nature resorts, lodges, and museums. But these nature preserves are a mission of Bass Pro Shops' Johnny Morris Conservation Foundation, which, quote, advances conservation by honoring the traditions of hunting and fishing. I struggle a little bit to even grasp the impact. I mean, we expect it to be really significant. Harrison Chamber of Commerce President and CEO Wilson Marseille expects Marble Falls Nature Park to bring much-needed revenue to both Boone and Newton counties. For residents looking for jobs around conservation or around maybe tourism in some capacity, hospitality, I mean, some of it is speculation on, on what it will end up being in the full impact, but we expect it to be pretty significant with the amount of capital investment that we know is going to be there and the amount of infrastructure that they're building out. It's it's an exciting time. It really is. So we're just kind of waiting for more information as it continues to come out. A Bass Pro Shop official in 2021 met with members of Arkansas's Buffalo River Conservation Commission to announce that the park would provide 600 construction jobs, hire 170 park employees, generate $1.4 million in sales tax revenue and another $324,000 in property taxes. Vixen James, a third-generation Newton County native, attended that meeting. He's a local realtor and president of the Newton County Chamber. He agrees that locals have been kept in the dark about the park's progress. And I believe it's true that you know when they do have their plans established and timelines established that they do want to engage the public or at least the stakeholders to keep them informed and to to work with them but they're not at that point and they've not released any of that. We queried the Arkansas Highway Department about rumored plans to straighten and widen sections of Highway 7 between Harrison and Jasper to ease access into the new park. Morris owns property on either side of the highway leading into the facility. Nothing's been submitted so far, transportation planners told us, but Vixen James says road widening could be possible. But again, they're they're so professional in the way they approach their projects. Um, they're very disciplined, and until they have firmed up plans, they, they do not speak to it. We also queried the Arkansas Department of Environmental Quality about any breaches in the park's construction stormwater permits, records, and photographs show that after purchase in 2020, extensive earthwork has been done. This includes construction of a new gorge, berms, and enlargement of a cave opening on Bluff Springs. DEQ agents found multiple incidents of turbidity 
due to excess construction sediments in ponds and streams in violation of federal and state clean water rules. Local residents, not wanting to be identified for this report, complain ponds and streams on the site, which used to run clear, contain excess algae. Morris and park facility managers' records show are being held to compliance, anticipating that hundreds of thousands of visitors could patronize the new nature park annually, which lies in the Buffalo National River watershed, more than $1.6 million in state funding assistance to improve a nearby wastewater treatment facility serving the unincorporated community of Marble Falls was approved by the Arkansas Natural Resources Commission in late 2021. Arkansas Realtor Stuart Nance, a fourth-generation Newton County native, brokered this sale of Dog Patch USA to Johnny Morris. My ancestors homesteaded the uh, Pruitt area. They were the Pruitt family, um, and my parents to this day still live on the Pruitt homestead, which is all the land south of Dogpatch to the Buffalo River, pretty much, 1,100 acres, which we recently sold to Johnny. Um, so Johnny Morris now owns uh, continuously from the Boone County line, uh, the Dogpatch property, uh, the Nance Ranch, Nance slash Pruitt Ranch. But if or how that additional property will be developed has not been revealed, Nan says his family once had a stake in the abandoned dog patch property back in 2011, the result of a court-ordered settlement. Three years later, selling the land for $2 million, that owner was forced into foreclosure, with the Nance family repossessing it. The Nance family was unable to manage upkeep or restore the old amusement park, so the facility was scheduled for public auction on the Newton County Courthouse steps in March 2020. But before that auction could take place, Johnny Morris, Nance says, stepped forward, making an offer no one could refuse. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. The Beaver Watershed Alliance will host a workshop later this month for landowners in the War Eagle Creek watershed. The two-hour lunchtime workshop will cover land management practices that the organization says can improve forested and grazed lands. Topics covered will include ponds, alternative water tanks, and low-tech erosion control structures. The discussion also scheduled to include ways to apply for financial assistance to help pay for 75 to 90 percent of the cost of implementation of the practices. The workshop is from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. Wednesday, November 5th, taking place at the Spurlock Farm near Huntsville. It is free. It includes lunch. Registration can be taken care of by emailing info at beaverwatershedalliance.org. Still come on our show, two pairs. One that has been performing together for 47 years, trout fishing in America. Being a duo is a lot like driving a sports car as opposed to a Cadillac or a truck. You know, with two of us playing together for 47 years, we can turn on a dime, look at each other, and make that change and do it. He raises an eyebrow. I know exactly what's happening. It ain't written down. It's going to be somewhere else, and I can pretty well guess where he's going. 
And we'll also talk with a pair of actors working together for the first time in Theater Squared's The Band's Visit. Besides the fact that Mark is a fantastic human being, I think part of the reason why we get along so well is because, you know, our age, ages are the same. Like I said, I really was a longtime fan of yours, Rama. and now the fact that we get to play together and, and be neighbors, too. So it's yeah, been great. Yeah. It's been and, amazing. And Simon the Dog is Simon been, the has dog. been fantastic My to get dog. to know as well. The band's visit on stage now at T2 in Fayetteville, and Trout Fishing in America will perform as part of the 76th annual Original Ozark Folk Festival in Eureka Springs later this month. Conversations with both pairs of performers ahead on this Wednesday edition of Ozarks at Large. Do you have a story to tell? Come by the Listening Lab at KUAF and share it with us. All you have to do is go online to KUAFListeningLab.com and click on Share Your Story. And after submitting your request, we'll reach out to schedule a time for you to come by the KUAF studio. And you can listen to past conversations from the Listening Lab anytime at KUAFListeningLab.com. This is Ozarks at Large. Good Wednesday. I'm Kyle Kellums. Northwest Arkansas National Airport is a quarter century old today. The airport, known as Northwest Arkansas Regional Airport when it opened for business in 1998, has produced a celebratory video featuring a few familiar faces, including former President Bill Clinton. I'm glad to join with all of you celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Northwest Arkansas National Airport. I will never forget flying in on Air Force One in November of 1998 for the opening ceremony and looking down at all the back roads I know so well and knowing that Northwest Arkansas finally had its airport. The video includes recollections of the creation of the airport from Scott Van Lanningham, the airport's first CEO, Crystal Bridges founder Alice Walton, and former Governor Asa Hutchinson. The video can be seen on the XNA channel on YouTube. An upcoming Hacking and Cyber Challenge in Fayetteville will provide a chance for people interested in the Arkansas cyber community to meet. The 2023 Razor Hack Cyber Challenge begins in the Arkansas Union on the University of Arkansas campus on Friday evening and will last through noon Sunday. Christopher Wright, a partner with Sullivan Wright Technologies in Little Rock, says events like this weekend Cyber Challenge help place a spotlight on the cyber and cybersecurity jobs in Arkansas. Most heavily centered in Northwest Arkansas, obviously, and Central Arkansas, but um, Walmart has an outstanding information security department up there. Um, you've got InfoSec folks at, uh, at Tyson and J.B. Hunt. You've got them at uh, Arvest is another one up in Northwest Arkansas. It's very, uh, has a very prominent InfoSec uh, group. Down here in Central Arkansas, we've got obviously banks, um, but you'll find, uh, you'll find uh, other ones like uh, the, the UA system, a lot of the different schools, like UAMS has a fairly, uh, a fairly large um, apparatus there. Wright isn't an organizer of this weekend's event in Fayetteville, but he has been part of the Jolt Cyber Challenge in Little Rock for the past several years. He says these kinds of weekends can help retain talented cyber professionals in Arkansas. When folks see that there are others like them here in the community, they see that there are companies that hire folks like them, they don't graduate college and immediately look to other states to go find jobs. They are, they're looking at what's here in their community. So you're retaining that homegrown Arkansas talent. Somebody who went to an Arkansas high school, somebody went to an Arkansas college, they're going to stay and they're going to work for an Arkansas company. 
We'll learn more specifically about the RazorHack Cyber Challenge in Fayetteville this weekend, later this week on Ozarks at Large. U.S. News and World Report ranks the undergraduate nursing program at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences 86 in the country out of more than 650 programs. The magazine places the University of Arkansas's undergraduate nursing program at 154 on the 2023 list. U.S. News says the rankings are based on the average of scores received by top academics and officials at nursing schools or departments. Duke, the University of Pennsylvania, and Emory University were the top three ranked schools in the 2023 edition of the report. Black Hills Energy is expecting lower natural gas heating costs this winter compared to last year. In a press release, Mark Iyer, the vice president of operations at the utility, says increased production and above-average storage should provide a stable market to provide power this winter. The release also includes a comparison of anticipated heating costs for the winter compared to last year. Winter cost of gas rate for Arkansas customers will be $0.47 cents per CCF, or 100 cubic feet, which is approximately 33% lower compared to last year's $0.70 cents per CCF cost of gas rate. The 10th-ranked Arkansas Razorback soccer team is advancing to the SEC tournament's semifinals. Arkansas, the regular season champs, shut out Auburn 4-0 last night in Pensacola and will now face number 18 Mississippi State Thursday night in those semifinals. The Little Rock Trojan soccer team continues play in the Ohio Valley Conference tournament tomorrow, facing the tournament's number one seed, Tennessee Tech, in the semifinals. And the 10th-ranked Razorback volleyball squad plays at Georgia tonight. It's the fifth consecutive match away from Barnhill Arena for the Razorbacks. Arkansas has won three of those previous four matches during this road stretch and will return home Sunday for an afternoon contest against Mississippi State. This is Ozarks at Large. It might be hard to believe now, but before XNA opened 25 years ago today, there was the occasional misdirected visitor who flew into Fayetteville, North Carolina, instead of Fayetteville, Arkansas's Drake Field. That's not just an apocryphal story or legend. Years ago, Italian master of the acoustic guitar Beppe Gambetta was meaning to fly here and was sent about 1,000 miles east of here. Happy ending. He got back to Fayetteville in time for his concert. Language barriers and travel confusion get the story rolling in Theater Squared's latest production, The Band's Visit. The musicians in the musical are traveling from Egypt to Israel and, because of complications, end up spending time in a remote desert town where there is no venue waiting for them or even a place to stay. But connections between the travelers and locals develop in a short amount of time. The musical began as a 2007 Israeli film, then was an off-Broadway critical success, then had an 18-month run on Broadway. Then came a national tour, and T2's current production is the first regional presentation of the play. The musical picked up Grammys and Tonys, as well as three Drama Desk Awards and the Outer Critics Circle Award for Best Off-Broadway New Musical. Ram Bakadar, who is Taufek, the senior statesman for the Traveling Orchestra, and Mark David Kaplan, who portrays Avram, a local who is also a musician, came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. The two actors both come to the T2 stage from Chicago, but this is the first time they've worked on stage together. The musical has earned rave reviews from around the globe, and Ram says the cast is thrilled to be part of the production. 
amazingly excited right. and and feeling just over the moon to do it. And everybody's, this is, in our business, I always say, if you know you're exactly where you're supposed to be at any given time, I mean, because we look, everyone pretty much has come from out of town. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in a new environment. So I often think that mirrors the storytelling in our play. You know, we're, we're coming somewhere and making a, two communities actually work together. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're doing here in the best way. That all sounds like a, I made it sound like this challenge, but it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's, it's a challenge that this group is really up to. And it's a, yeah, it's an amazing, and right now it's a really important thing that we're yeah. doing. It, so. it really is. Yeah. I mean, it is a, a fish out of water story and you could definitely equate that to Absolutely. The, the, the cast and crew that have come down here to do that. Um, yeah. But it's not, but you know, we made the decision to be here, and and we're loving it. Exactly. The band is like there by mistake. Truly. And then, of course, hijinks ensue. <laughs> you know, it is a fish out of water story, but it's also about the little moments, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's you tend to think of musicals as these big Broadway, larger than life, but this is about the smaller mm-hmm. things. You're right. This is not that. This is, I mean. I think of everything as a play with music, um, and and it's like we always say. As the director said, when you when you cannot speak anymore, you have to sing, and then when you can't just sing, you have to move. I mean, it's all an extension, mm-hmm. and this play is a great representation of that. The interesting part about the details that you talk about, you get to see this band, but that you get to learn about each of them in specific, independent of each other. Mm-hmm. I say this because Ram and I never meet on stage it's that specific that people sort of start to pair up and it's through the necessity of you're going to stay here tonight you're going to stay here but everyone sort of gets placed in these fish out of water scenarios and we of course end up finding out all the things that we agree with or the same things we're battling with having to do with family uh, having to do with children having to do with relationships and it it's the universality of it is 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 amazing. Yeah. Is what I hope. I always say I, I don't want to tell an audience what they're going to see. I hope, that, especially in this one, people are finding things to talk about because everybody has a different viewpoint once they leave, which is amazing. It is interesting that we're not we do not uh, interact on stage because I think our two characters have a lot in common. That's true. Uh, you know, we're both the same age. We both have lost our spouses recently. Yeah. And going through our own, you know, way of grieving through that process. We both have things we'd rather be doing. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's that, that, and and how that the height, whether that's heightened or starts to dissipate as you get older. It's like, well, I I did that. Mm-hmm. I've left, and it's time to make room for something else. Mm-hmm. You know, or out of necessity. You're, I mean, they're great questions that are answered. Oh, especially in your conversations with with Yaya, who plays Dina, and it's. It's, there's such, I love the intimacy that is achieved in this musical. Mm-hmm. And like you said, back to your original thought, sometimes you don't get something that is that intimate or singular or one-on-one. Yeah, one of, one of the directions that Zai, uh, our director, gave uh, Yaya and myself in one of our small scenes together was, uh, and he just, he equated this back to uh, directing school. Mm. He said, his instructor said, look, there are, there are two types of, of scene work, right? There's the scene work that involves the entire stage and, the, and, and, the, and a really large space. 
And then there's scene work that is just nose to nose, like you and one other person. And he was very much interested in exploring the 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 nose to nose acting between Yaya and I and just that intimacy and making it really small. And we're miked on stage, sure. which gives us the ability um, and the latitude to be very quiet and yet everyone can hear us. It's really a fantastic thing that you don't normally see in musicals. That's right. So, I mean, I don't do a lot of musicals, but I'm assuming this is not normal. <laughs> well, and when you tell stories on stage, and again, I say I have done a lot of musicals. Yes. Um, and there were those days, and theater is this ever-evolving art form that I love. People are bringing different, uh, you know, they're adding their own different things to it in terms of what's important and how to interpret. Because the way we, you know, storytelling has changed so much through the years. So for me, you know, I, I grew up, you know, I went to school, it's like, there's the back row, ladies and gentlemen. Here, and this is another thing I would say about the theater, theater square to Fayetteville, it's people are leaning forward and engaging, mm-hmm. and you don't have to worry about where you're sitting. I mean, so we're all happen to be. I mean, we don't know they're there are characters, but we all happen to be in this room together, and getting to witness this, and again, which is different every night. And I say that that actually makes me emotional every time I mm-hmm. say to somebody, "Well, we all we all made art together tonight mm-hmm. because the fact that you were there changed what we did, and hopefully changed how you feel now too." That's so in the spirit of this. This play with music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's <laughs> right there. Yeah. There's so much that goes into creating these characters on stage, especially in a play with music. Mm-hmm. You've got to have movement. You've got to have, you know, all sorts of things. But what you both possess, wonderful voices, wonderful voices. Your ability that you were playing around just before we started this with accents. And how important for you is your voice? in in your work really important very to important me. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean for me it's been a it's been a touchstone in my life just because why why i ended up being in this business it was i mean it quite literally was we were supposed to say literally anymore it's mm. quite literally finding my voice mm. and um i did do that and it probably was at a certain age when i realized that i had the facility to do different things with my voice of like oh this this is how i'm this is how I can communicate. Well, first it was, this is how I can be set apart from other people. Mm-hmm. But the reality of this play, and especially of listening to each other, the dialects are so different. And everybody, when they speak, when we join these people, we speak in English so as to be able to communicate. It's interesting. There's a lot of Arabic that's spoken mm-hmm. that we don't know what's going on. There's a lot of Hebrew spoken. that They don't know what's going on. So the reality of... What I sound like is important even from the listening aspect, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful sort of construct that is built into the play where the, the neutral language is English. And, of course, uh, it, it also um, uh, explains why there's all these accents floating around. Because, you know, a lot of modern, uh, newer plays and productions will sometimes do away with an accent altogether, even though uh, a story may take place in a different country, just because it really is difficult to do. And you want to do it correctly, and you want to, and you want to represent uh, that language and the culture properly. Um, and we've, we've made a lot of progress and a lot, we put a lot of work into it to make sure it's sounding as authentic yeah. as possible. It's, that's gotten really specific, actually. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about the specificity of, yeah. of 101. 
even how Tufik would say something different than Khaled, because mm-hmm. you came from different places yeah. and you different and generations. Different generations. Right. I mean that, and I mean that's very apparent. I think in the U.S. everywhere. I mean, you hear, mm-hmm. well, we used to say this, but now we say this. You know, <laughs> well, you and I are constantly doing it in the cast, right? All the time. We, you know, it's. I think that's. Part of the, besides the fact that Mark is a fantastic human being, I think part of the reason why we get along so well is because you know our age, ages are the same. Yeah. And we speak the same language. We've we've grown up with the same movies and media. So right. you know sometimes we'll say something and the kids will go. I call them the kids, right? The kids, we both right. call them the kids. Right. They'll go, what? What was that reference? Like, never mind. <laughs> or everyone. Or every now and again, one of them go, that was my parents' favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Everyone. Everyone. Pretty much everyone else in the cast is young enough to be our sons and daughters. That's the truth. Yeah. That's right. Aren't you happy you have each other? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thrilled. Yes. I love it. No, I'm, 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 like I said, I really was a longtime fan of yours, Rama. Now the fact that we get to play together and, and be neighbors too. So it's yeah, been great. Yeah. It's been and, amazing. And Simon the dog is been, the has dog. been fantastic My to get dog. to know as well. Yeah. You're both immigrants to Chicago. That's correct. From yeah. California mm-hmm. and from Pennsylvania. That's, that's, right. that's right. And you knew of each other, mm-hmm. but this is the first time you worked together. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, uh, Mark does a lot of musical theater. Mm-hmm. And and I generally just do you know regular standard plays without the music. Uh, and so this is just a great opportunity for both uh, of those worlds to kind of mesh and mingle. Most of the cast I didn't know. Uh, and most of them, uh, of course, are musically inclined. And so it, it was like, I, I've been in I've been in Chicago doing uh, plays professionally for you know almost 25 years, and it's just amazing when I'm still meeting new people yeah. uh, in the industry. It's um, uh, it, it just it's a nice broad and and very flexible and open and expanding um, uh, thing that goes on there constantly. It's one of the things I again love best about this. I mean, I do have there are three uh, people on the show who I've played their father. <laughs> 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 so it, that was actually really fun, and they all came back. And then, and now uh, Dana, who I I knew we knew of each other, mm-hmm. I am now playing her father in this play. So, yeah. so it, I mean, father figures are important, and for me too. It just to sort of piggyback on what you were saying. I mean, I've done shows where now I've played a a junior member of the company, and I've done the same show now. I mean, I've done Fiddler five times now, and I just keep <laughs> growing into an older role. Yeah. But I love that. I don't mean I don't want listeners to think that I don't think big extravagant musicals are bad. I'm right. just drawing mm-hmm. a comparison. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something about seeing Circle of Life in front of an audience that yeah. is uplifting. That is true. Yes, you make reference to I toured for five and a half years with The Lion King. <laughs> I should say Disney's The Lion King. That's how <laughs> they're listening. They're, they're listening. Of course they Thank are. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mickey. Um, yeah, and and I played Zazu for a great portion of that and. And as big musicals go, I believe that, and it's not just because I did it, I believe that it's in terms of storytelling and, and culture and music and, and words is one of the finest opening numbers that I've ever been involved in mm-hmm. and, and seen as well. But when I got to run down, because it opens, if, if, if you've all seen it before, the, the, uh, the, we call her Bertha, the big elephant, which is really four people, one in each leg. And the rhinos, they all, and the bird ladies, they all come through the house, through the audience. And the last thing that comes is Zazu. Run, and I, I, remember the first, I remember the first time I ran down. It makes me emotional. Mm-hmm. I ran down and got to uh, kind of 
because he is he's the watcher overall, and it, it's a puppet. Starts out as a kite, which is really amazing. This gorgeous kite, uh, Michael Curry, who made these amazing puppets, um, and he gets to sort of, you know, and it's choreographic because mm -hmm. it's to music. Gets to watch over everything, and I spin around, and then yeah, it it was it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful play with music. It's a great, big, beautiful play with music. So thank you for bringing it up. Yeah. And I've made my living for 40-plus years talking into a microphone in a room kind of by myself. Sure. So I have to ask about voice acting and when it's going to be mm -hmm. part of a, 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 a game or what's that like? Oh, it's— Because it's nonlinear recording, I'm guessing. Right. It's not a narrative like No, it is not. It's it's character driven. And now let, let's 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 look at the video game situation yeah. because that is really a huge exploding part of the industry and video games now are so complex that they require hundreds and hundreds sometimes thousands of pages of dialogue and even a small character can have many, many, many hours, many sessions of recording studio time. Because it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure concept. Oh, sure, yeah. Concept. yeah. yeah. Especially if it's nonlinear in an right. open-world situation. So I have done a, a few games where, you know, you, you come into a studio, not, not much different than this, and you're given your script, and you have not seen the script prior to stepping in that studio. So you're... And, and, and a lot of cases, reading these things cold. Oh, my. So that is a huge difference mm -hmm. in as far as trying to come up with the character and the style and the voice and all of these things. And hopefully that has been already prearranged during your audition with the director and the recording uh, folks. Um, but it, it's still a lot of fun. There's that spontaneity. There's also room for improvisation. Uh, uh, and, and also just keeping in mind how this stuff is going to be used and how the player character is going to come across these other characters that you're giving voice to. It's such a different thing. And yeah. it makes our industry and our careers that much more versatile and fun because it is such a different way of, of acting. Yeah. Thank you both for coming to Northwest Arkansas. Thank you both for coming into the studio. Oh, our pleasure. It's Thank been, you, Kyle. It's been a lot of fun. It sure has been. Ron Barkador and Mark David Kaplan are members of the cast of Theater Squared's production of The Band's Visit, with music and lyrics by David Yazbek and book by Itmar Moses. The musical remains on stage at T2 in Fayetteville through Sunday afternoon. You can learn more at theater2.org. This is Ozarks at Large. Mornings can be so routine. With Morning Edition from NPR News, you can build a little bit of the unexpected into your morning with stories of progress. The latest craze in Silicon Valley, silver orbs that scan your eyeballs. With stories of what it means to be human and animal. Why did you buy the cat? Because I was lonely. And something sweet. The flavoring is rose water and orange blossom water. Listen every weekday. Morning Edition tomorrow and every weekday morning from 5 until 9. The 76th Annual Original Ozark Folk Festival in Eureka Springs starts soon, Thursday, November 9th. On Friday night, November 10th, Matt the Electrician will open at the auditorium, or as it's affectionately known, The Odd, with Trout Fishing in America headlining that night. We thought this was a great chance to catch up with the duo, Ezra Idlett and Keith Grimwood, before they returned to the Odds stage. So, we did, talking with the Trouts by Zoom last week. After the touring hiatus they had during the pandemic, 2023 has been a pretty busy year for them, including a just-completed trip to New Mexico. Ezra says... It's been an interesting few years. When 2020 happened, Kyle, it was it really it was like going back to college. 
we had no responsibilities uh, to be anywhere and nowhere to go and nothing to do. And we just studied what we love doing. And that's playing music. And we just started studying more and more music. Now, I say going back to college, my college career was playing basketball. Again, <laughs> my, coaches. my college career was not academic at all. But, you know, one of the things that keeps coming up to my mind is how have I survived so long as a musician, a working musician, knowing as little as I know? My God, I look at the Internet and I see what is available out there. And it's just it's, it's inspiring. That's the wonderful thing about music is no matter how much you know, all you find out is how much you don't know. And you just can't let it intimidate you. Just be happy with it and just get what you can. But you got to respect what you can do, too. People, they get really good and then they think, oh, that's just a throwaway lick. I do that all the time. I would love to be able to play that lick, you know, and they just think it's normal for them. Things become normal. You have to look at your own playing and your own writing and, and look at what you've done. I know the world of trap music has been business. You guys discovered, you didn't discover, but you really honed in on indie and, and how to do it yourself and how not to have to rely on others. And you did it through, through ambassadorship and great music and relentless touring. So it's hard work. I don't mean to minimize that at all. But you've had fun the way, the whole way, too. Or almost the whole way, I imagine. Yeah, I would say if you put that on a scale, fun wins by a long shot. When you were in New Mexico, can you, or any place, you know, especially outside of maybe Texas and Arkansas, we have these bases, and, and you do have fervent fans everywhere. But can you tell pretty quickly whether the audience is majority well-known or majority first-time or second-time? viewers we often ask that question and it, it, it is still surprising how many people are seeing us for the first time the next question i'll ask once i find out somebody's asked if that has seen us for the first time is oh what brought you here they normally pointed a friend i said what kind of music did they say that we played and i get these blank stares <laughs> they just shake their head they don't know what kind of music we, we don't know what kind of music we play when we were in New Mexico, one of the cool things there was that, for example, there, there's people from all over. People move. Uh, there was an artist there that used to come see us in Little Rock all the time when we were playing at uh, Juanitas. Juanitas. We played at Juanitas. And she a was visual artist. A visual artist. And she was always sitting there with her young son and everything. There, there she was in New Mexico. She's an artist out there in New Mexico now musicians that we're, we knew back in the 70s, sitting right there in the audience. We Vince Bell was there. We covered one of Vince's songs, The Sun and Moon and Stars. We covered that. Vince is in the audience. Different musicians from different places. People, Bill you, Hearn. Bill Hearn. We, he's out there and hanging on every word. And uh, that's so nice to see the gathering of people again gathering together in a room and enjoying music, yeah. live music. It's fabulous. I love the odd. I love that place because it, it is odd and it's so eureka. I mean, <laughs> I just, and I wonder, can a venue make you feel different ways as musicians? Absolutely. Uh, you go into a, a, a storied, 
venue like the art or something like that, you feel kind of a responsibility to to maintain the level of performance that has been there. Another thing is you feel connected. Carl, sometimes you just feel connected to the whole thing. I feel connected back to the entertainers who have been there before, the woes who will be after me, uh, the whole bit of creation of music, everybody who's been involved in it. I feel a, a strong sense of connection at a place like the Odd. Um, now, where was it we played in Las Vegas that Liberace played in and there was rings backstage for where he kept his elephants? And, and the list of people that played this auditorium, and I can't even remember, uh, Frank Sinatra, uh, just this, this, this giant list of, of A-list a entertainers from way back when. Just to step on that same stage was amazing. I'm glad you said that because there's a there's a theater in Miami, Oklahoma, and it's you know it was a live theater, then it was a movie theater, and now they've kind of refurbished it. And Tom Mix, Tom Mix was there once with his horse, and and the the guy who was showing me said, well, you know, no one gets excited about that. It's like, are you kidding me? I'm sitting on the same board that Tom Mix and his horse was on. That's cool. Very cool. And they have one of the at that particular theater. They have one of the original Wurlitzer pipe organs and. I got to sit there in that theater before we played that night and, and watch a, a showing of Dracula, the silent film, being played with the original music written for the silent film and, and, a, and a, an organist playing that music. It was amazing to, throwback. It was wonderful. Do you know who allegedly opened the odd? What performer first took that stage? No. John Philip Sousa. Absolutely wow. wonderful. So we have played other stages that Philip John Philip Sousa played on in in uh, Pennsylvania. We played at the Longwood, Longwood Gardens, Gardens, and and he used to hold forth there quite regularly. There are bit of backstage. There are pictures of him on the very stage we would play. <laughs> John Philip Sousa. I was so impressed. Like when you go on the odd at the, the Ozark Folk Festival. Will, will you have a set list, or do you allow yourself some wiggle room? Do you play the moment? The answer is yes to both questions. We will have a set list, and that's in case we go brain dead. And, you know, from <laughs> time to time, that does happen, and, and you have something to, to reach back towards. That being said, we change on a dime. And being a duo is a lot like driving a sports car as opposed to a Cadillac or a truck. You know, with two of us playing together for 47 years, we can turn on a dime, look at each other, and make that change and do it. He raises an eyebrow. I know exactly what's happening. It ain't written down. It's going to be somewhere else. And I can pretty well guess where he's going. And this guy, Ezra, he connects with an audience. That's how I learned to play for an audience. This guy is going to play music for you. Everybody leaves thinking, boy, he just seemed like he was playing it right for me. And I went, he was. He really, really was. That's his secret. I don't know how he does it. I'm shyer. I have to look at the exit sign to make sure to keep my eyes open on stage sometimes. <laughs> but I'm getting better at connecting to that audience. Ezra feeds off his audience. All right. So the Folk Festival, this is, right, the 76th ever, I believe? I Can you believe that? 76 it's years. Actually older than Keith, which, you know, it's hard to <laughs> It is. <laughs> None of us were around for the first one. <laughs> No, we were not there for the first one. We have played before, and it was wonderful. I remember last time, or one of the times we played, 
uh, Chris Smither was playing. Mm. And he was busy backstage listening to the baseball game because uh, the Red Sox were really doing good at that point. He was really into it. All yeah, right, but so- we're, we're looking forward to getting back there. We got two shows. We're going to be, uh, I think we're headlining on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then we have a family concert on Saturday. So uh, there's a lot going on up there, man. There's yeah. a lot going on for that festival. And John Fulbright will be there as well. What a writer, what a performer, yeah. what a musician. I mean, he's the whole package. Matt, the electrician, will be there. Still yeah. on the Hill will be playing. Melissa Carper. Got it. Yeah. I'm I'm happy to be there. I'm happy to be there. Keith Grimwood and Ezra Idlett, Trout Fishing in America, talking with me via Zoom last week. They're headlining the Friday night show on November 10th of the 76th annual Original Ozark Folk Festival at the Auditorium in Eureka Springs. Matt, the electrician, is also playing at the Odd that night. You can find the full schedule for the festival, which begins Thursday, November 9th, at the Facebook page for the original Ozark Folk Festival. This is Ozarks at Large. I could use a little sleep Without it I am prone to weeping And keeping myself at home All alone with the TV on And a dog in my lap I could use a little nap Without it I am prone to cracking And whacking myself On the edges and corners Of every alley I back in That's the song Up and Away from the Trout Fishing in America record Safe House, released last year. Spend time with that record and you'll be reminded of the things that you remembered you valued during the pandemic and reminded a bit of the isolation and concern you had during the shutdown as well. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, Timothy Dennis will be with me to highlight some of the live music opportunities coming our way in the next six or seven days or so. But if you want to look further out, some concerts for next summer have been announced recently. And after lows in the teens in some parts of northwest Arkansas and eastern Oklahoma this morning, aren't at least some of us thinking about summer? New Kids on the Block. Yes, New Kids on the Block, scheduled to be at the Walmart Amp in Rogers on June 26th. Tickets go on sale Friday. Creed is also set to be at the Amp in September 2024 with Tonic and Finger 11 opening. Tickets for that show already available for purchase. And yesterday, tickets went on sale for the ZZ Top Leonard Skinner concert that will be taking place in April at Simmons Bank Arena in Little Rock. That's April 18th. Also in Little Rock in 2024, Chris Stapleton in August with special guest Grace Potter. That too at the Simmons Bank Arena. Tickets for that show go on sale Friday. Later this month, the latest CD from the Fort Smith Symphony, under the direction of John Jetter, will be released. The CD of world premiere recordings of the music of Lewis Wayne Ballard will be released officially November 10th. 
The record is on Naxos, and it's the first ever orchestral recording devoted to the music of a historic Native American concert composer. John will be at the Carver Center for Public Radio soon to talk about the recording with me. Here's just a quick preview sample. We'll hear from John Jetter and more from the new record soon on an upcoming edition of Ozarks at Large. Friday, the University of Arkansas Multicultural Center and Native American Student Association will host Nikosi Fields performing traditional fiddle music. He's the great-nephew of Cherokee fiddler Sam O'Fields. This is Nikosi Fields playing with other musicians at the 2017 Old Time Week at Augusta. He's scheduled to perform Friday at noon in the Razorback Gardens Pavilion. Also Friday, a traditional game of stickball taught by B.J. Frog at the UREC Sports Complex fields on the UA campus. That's scheduled to begin Friday afternoon at 2. Sunday afternoon, the Castilian Quartet will make its Joplin, Missouri debut as guests of Pro Musica Joplin. They're based in London, where they serve as ensemble-in-residence at Oxford University and Wigmore Hall. This is from the quartet's recent record dedicated to the music of Felix Mendelssohn. The Castilian Quartet is in concert Sunday afternoon at the Harry M. Cornell Arts and Entertainment Complex in Joplin. Admission, free of charge. Seating is first come, first serve. Donation will be accepted at the door. The concert is part of Pro Musica Joplin's 44th season. 
For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. A floodplain in northeastern Yell County contains clues to the activities of ancient Native Americans. The Cardin Bottom, lying below Petty Jean Mountain, has yielded evidence of human habitation as long as 11,500 years ago. The area became famous as pottery was looted from graves there as early as the 1870s, but more seriously in the 1920s and 30s. Collectors and museums purchased the purloined pottery, as well as fakes and objects that weren't actually from the Cardin Bottom. The University of Arkansas and the Smithsonian Institution both hold important collections of artifacts taken from the area. Beginning in the 1990s, more serious archaeological study was conducted in the bottom, revealing evidence of interactions between Native Americans of the late Mississippian period and Europeans, and finding striking similarities between the patterns on the pots and the prehistoric rock art found in the caves on Pettigene Mountain. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, a new report from the Environmental Working Group finds when it comes to farming, climate change is costing taxpayers. So essentially, there's a huge amount of money going out through the crop insurance program to farmers because of extreme weather that's largely tied to climate change, and those payments are increasing over time. That report from Daniel Carruth on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF and heard every weeknight at 7 on Little Rock Public Radio's KUAR. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas, show produced inside the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville. Contributors this Wednesday included Jacqueline Froelich and Mark Christ. Our general manager at KUAF is Lee Wood. Our theme, titled First Hurrah, written and performed by Daryl Sean. I'm Kyle Kellums. Thank you for being with us. Back tomorrow with another new edition of the show. Arkansas Community Foundation has a vision for communities in Arkansas to become the places your kids will want to raise their kids. By strategically funding local nonprofits, ARCF provides not only resources, insight, and inspiration, but also a statewide impact to build better communities. More at arcf.org.